630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It's the show that's more powerful than a wailing banshee inside sports on 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Early in the second period, Islanders lead the Sabres 2-0 after the first. No score, Capitals and Penguins. Early second period, no score, Devils and Rangers. Later tonight, the Avalanche take on the Golden Knights. Vegas is 10-2-1 on the season, and the Wild will meet the Los Angeles Kings. There was a game scheduled between the Predators and Stars that has been postponed because the uh, because of the weather and power outage issues in Dallas as uh, they got hit with a pretty bad storm. The Raptors in action tonight. They're about to tip off against Milwaukee. Raptors at 12 and 15. Milwaukee coming in at 16 and 11. Practice day for the Oilers. Back at it. Game tomorrow against the Winnipeg Jets. Six o'clock face-off show here on 6:30. Chad. The puck will drop at eight. Possibly a little bit of history coming up tomorrow for the captain, Connor McDavid. He could reach 500 career points, and it would take him the same number of games that it took Sidney Crosby. That's pretty cool. I mean, obviously a guy that uh, um, I kind of grew up uh, grew up watching, and you now he's got a couple. Uh, he's done a couple other things that uh, I'm trying to do. So with all of his cups and and all that stuff. So you know, obviously that that stuff's more important, but. Yeah, funny little, uh, you know, if it happens, I guess great. It's not, uh, you know, whatever. All right, so that is McDavid. <laughs> well, he certainly is aware of it, but wants ultimately to have the team success that Crosby has had, and uh, you heard him say at the end, but yeah, but yeah, whatever. Uh, Dave Tippett, not surprised to hear that McDavid not overly interested in talking about a personal milestone. Well, that's, uh, that's the leadership he shows. I mean, he's probably had that his whole life. He's an incredible player that, uh, you know, the players that play with him are always amazed at what he can do or what he does in the games. And uh, to be that humble is, as a teammate, you you respect a guy for his leadership, respect for his, uh, for his ability, but ultimately you respect him as a human being because he's just a really good person. Just so happens that he's a really good hockey player to go with a really good person. Took Sidney Crosby 369 games to get to 500 points. McDavid currently has played 368 games, so he could equal Crosby for the eighth fastest to get to 500 points in their career. So pretty impressive. The top two names, just insane how fast they got there. Wayne Gretzky reached 500 points in 234 games, so over two points a game on the way there. Mario Lemieux, the only other guy to do it in fewer than 308, uh, 300 games. It took him 287. How about Peter Stastny, the former Quebec Nordique, third on the list, took him 322 games. M- many of these names are from the 1980s or early 90s, the very high-scoring era in hockey, obviously. Yari Curry of your Edmonton Oilers took him 356 games to get to 500. That's the sixth fastest. And the uh, ninth fastest, I was a little bit surprised to see this guy's name on the list, though he was an extremely skilled player who put up a lot of points, but I, I wouldn't have had him pegged for the ninth fastest to 500. He did it with the Calgary Flames. That is Kent Nielsen 
Kent Nielsen, remember him? 372 games to get to pl- that plateau. So anyway, uh, I think we can expect McDavid to get a point tomorrow and to hit 500, which will be pretty cool. But of course, the Oilers ultimately want the win. Their record now down to 9-8 and eight after that wild 6-5 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. They fell behind 2-1 after the first. They were out shooting Winnipeg. The Jets got two goals early in the second period. In the ninth time this season, the Oilers have allowed goals fewer than two minutes apart. It hadn't happened for a while, but it happened to them last night. Put them behind 4-1, and then they took over the second period. They scored three goals the rest of the way. The Jets did get one back, but the shots in the second period were 22-9 for the Oilers. Um, But on the scoreboard in the second period, it was 3-3. Dave Tippett commented today on that wild second frame. There's parts of that second period that we really like. There's still some mistakes we'd like to take out of it, but uh, when you get momentum in a game, you get it going the right way. It's, uh, you know, it kind of goes in ebbs and flows like that, but the more time you can have that you're playing the right way and finding ways to play in the offensive zone, that should benefit your team. So uh, we got ourselves kind of back into the game a little bit, but ultimately we didn't finish it off. So, there were some good parts of last night's game and there's some parts that we can fix. And, uh, you know, that's probably, you can say that for every team in the league right now. Well, the North division is, is pretty wide open for the most part. You saw the Leafs blow a lead last night and lose to Ottawa. You saw a bit of a crazy finish between Vancouver and Calgary, though it was a lower scoring game relative to the other two. I don't know if, if you look at the North division and you say, is there a real lockdown team? I mean, maybe the Canadians might have the most potential to do it because of their defense core and because I think with Allen and Price, they have the best goaltending tandem in the North Division, though you might be able to say that Markstrom or Hellebuck is the is the best individual goaltender along with Price still hanging around in that category. But we've seen a lot of games where the scores escalate, where there have been a lot of mistakes and there have been a lot of scoring chances, or you just have defense that haven't been able to handle it when the other team cranks up the pressure. The Oilers had trouble with it last night when the Jets got a four-check going, and certainly the Jets' defense had a problem with it when uh, the Oilers were able to crank up their forechecking and some of their physical play, which which I think is the Oilers, something the Oilers can bring a little bit more often. But the, the goaltending has become a huge, huge story here for Edmonton. And I think going into the season, we, we often talked about it, probably a big question mark, maybe the biggest question mark for the team. And then you had Koskinen play all those games. So the last five games, Koskinen played last Saturday, nine days ago, 10 days ago against the Calgary Flames and was, was not good in a game in which the Oilers played pretty well for the most part, especially in the first period. And they wound up losing 6-4. They go on the, they continue on the road. They go out east. And Mike Smith has a really good return against Ottawa. Koskinen has a great game against Ottawa and gets them the win where they're outshot 30-10 to over the last two periods. And then Mike Smith gets a shutout in Montreal. And you think, okay, maybe it's turning around. And then last night, a lot of great A chances against. I didn't think Smith played poorly in net but again there's a reason they're called saves you got to bail out your guys sometimes and maybe the goal by Appleton he would want back Koskinen came in I I mean he got beaten on on a couple of deflections okay Um, but again some somebody needed to make an extra stop or two along the way and despite despite letting in five goals Connor Hellbuck did stop 40 pucks and was a big reason Winnipeg was able to win the game so look 
I, I think this is going to be an ongoing storyline for the Oilers. As much as we're hoping somehow it's going to change, these goaltenders are not going to magically transform overnight. We've seen Miko Koskinen here now for, what, over two seasons. And we've seen that, yeah, he's capable of playing pretty well and he's capable of being pretty sloppy. And we've seen Mike Smith be absolutely brilliant. And then we've seen him, like for long stretches last year, play with about an 860 save percentage. Now, he has only played three games this season. He was in the quote-unquote starters net at practice today. We'll see if it's like that for the morning skate tomorrow. But I think we can expect, given the history of these two goaltenders, especially the recent history, they're going to be up and down. So can the team play better in front of them? I think yes to some extent. But you have some younger defensemen. Um, you, you know, you have some defensemen who are, are NHL defensemen but are, are more depth players as opposed to high-end defenders. So I think at times there are going to be nights where the Oilers struggle clearing the puck and handling a forecheck and, and transitioning the puck. And you saw that last night. Even though they had a lot of zone time against the Jets, they had too many mistakes. Now, Dominic Cahoon is not uh, a, a defenseman, and he made an, a, just a horrific error that led to the Jets' sixth goal. But I'll, I'll factor in that team defending there uh, when we're talking about this. So here, here's what, here's what I, I really think, and I think that you as Oilers fans are probably going to have to ask yourself yourselves this as well, and, and I'm sure you'll, you'll have a variety of answers. If you want to get in touch tonight, you can. It's 780-496-0063. The Oilers could use better goaltending. Now, the realistic options... Uh, for a goaltender are, are, are not anybody that's, that's going to come in and, and transform the season, in my mind. I mean, Rob Brown, we're talking about a few last night. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Cam Lewis wrote a really good goaltender article today on OilersNation.com. Um, you know, Pecorine, well, okay, at 38, is he going to come in and save the season? You know, Linus Allmark or Carter Hutton are these proven goaltenders. Uh, you're not going to get John Gibson out of Anaheim. I mean, if you're Anaheim, why would you trade John Gibson? If the Ducks are going to become a good team again, they're going to need a goalie as the backbone. So why are you trading John Gibson? I, I mean, we had some pretty bad Oilers teams here over the years. You know, imagine if they had a really good goalie, though. Maybe they, who knows? I'm not saying they would have been cup contenders, but they certainly would have been better teams. Uh, Merzlikens out of Columbus. Yeah, a lot of talk about him for sure. Again, he's only played 40 NHL games. Check his save percentage this year. It's not very good to me. Now, look, maybe a guy comes here and is brilliant, but I still think it's a maybe. I think acquiring a proven NHL goaltender is going to be difficult. Now, that's Ken Holland's job as the GM of the team, is to make difficult transition trans, uh, transactions and to project how guys are going to do. But looking at some of these guys who might be available, I don't see uh, an automatic home run. I'm not even sure I see a strong double into the gap. The, I mean, maybe the mo most realistic guy to acquire might be bringing back somebody like Devin Dubnik. You know, if San Jose is going to decide, okay, well, we got Martin Jones, where maybe we're not going anywhere this year, and he comes back for the rest of this season, and and see, and we see what Devin Dubna can do. I, I mean, look, I'm just throwing names out there, but that's probably the caliber of goaltender you're going to get. Somebody who is a little unproven that you're taking a flyer on, or somebody later in their career who you're hoping can recapture some past glory.
and you already have one of those goaltenders in Mike Smith. So I guess as an Oilers fan, you're asking yourself, do you want Holland to go out and do that, or do you want him to wait? Does a goaltender turn the Oilers from, you know, a good team into a great team that can possibly win the Stanley Cup? I don't know. You tell me. Could just a goaltender transform the team to that extent this year? So do you want Holland to give up maybe a couple of valuable pieces or valuable future draft picks or prospects to get the goaltender now? Especially if it's not a goaltender that, that could be sticking around. I think that's another thing. I, I think if you're going to make a big trade for a goalie, you're hoping to get somebody that is going to be here for several years. So that's the difficult thing. And look, Ken Holland looked for a goalie in the summer. And wasn't able to get one. And that's why Mike Smith came back. So, you know, he, he he looked around in the summer and he's looking around again. And the same types of names are, are out there, except you all have to, everybody has to be acquired through a trade as opposed to free agency. So maybe he pulls something off. I'm not ruling it out. I just wouldn't expect it to be a name where you say, oh, okay, now it's solid at that position. Now we have nothing to worry about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 780-496-0063. 780-496-0063. Quick timeout inside sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Got some messages here to 780-496-0063. Brent says, hey, Reed, Oilers should have won that game last night. Goaltending was the difference. Four goals on 11 shots. Yikes. As opposed to the other end, 40 saves. Brent adds, but we should wait to really spend on a goalie that is solid and who will stay. The Oilers have a bad history of making rash decisions and bad contracts. Ray says the defense and whoever is on the ice that is back-checking has to match or beat the intensity of the other team's offense. On the first couple of goals, you could see the Jets moving the puck around and nobody paid a price. Your smallest guys can't be the toughest guys. Well, look, there's no doubt the Oilers could defend better. Absolutely. Or just make smarter decisions with the puck. I I mentioned Cahoon, chance to get it out, doesn't take a hit to make a play. And then, you know, talk about Evan Bouchard, who's, I think overall Bouchard's been a positive, but there's going to be a learning curve here and growing pains. I almost said learning pains. I guess that's a thing too. He doesn't tie up Blake Wheeler or try to harass Wheeler in front of the net, and then he tips the puck into the net. So so true. Uh, I I mean, I don't want to say every loss all the time is is goaltending, but when you're scoring five and you're scoring four, you start to think about what else is going on. And the big L says Jacob Markstrom, much like Cam Talbot here in 16-17, covers up a lot of blemishes in Calgary's middle of the pack 
play by making big saves when the team needs it. Just look at Vancouver without him. So I guess, yeah, it's the one position on the ice that can transform a team to appear like a legitimate contender. And yes, Holland should wait to see what shakes loose with the pandemic, the cap, and the expansion draft. And Alex says, what about net monitors like Riddick, Kemper, or Allen, or Bishop? What are your thoughts? Well, I don't think there's going to be a Calgary-Edmonton trade this year. So I don't see Riddick. Um, Kemper maybe is a possibility. I, I can't see Montreal moving Jake Allen, and uh, I, I would not think Ben Bishop would get traded either. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> so, sorry, Alex. That's not what you wanted to hear, but I'm not sure if any of those guys would be a high probability of coming to Edmonton. But absolutely, if, if I'm wrong, make sure you let me know. 780-496-0063. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and this is the tough spot because, I, look, I, I know the Oilers have Big David. The Oilers have Dreisaitl. They got two of the most explosive offensive players in the league. And McDavid's shooting percentage is about half of what it usually is, which is something to remember. There still might be some bigger nights coming from him. Um, so is it just a goaltender that is preventing them from being a Stanley Cup contender? I, I would still say no at this point. I, I mean, I think you could still like another winger who could snipe some goals. Uh, I think you could still have a better defense score. You know, part of the defense score improving might just be players aging and acquiring more experience, but there's guys who aren't there yet. Broberg's going to be on the team in the next year or two, but again, he'll be younger. Um, so does a goalie automatically take this team deep into the playoffs? You know, when they went out and got Dwayne Rolison in 06, I, I realized they went into the playoffs as a number eight seed. And this year's Oilers team, if they do make the playoffs, it might be as the number four seed out of seven. Um, but also that team had Chris Pronger. Don't forget. It, did, it didn't have the high end forwards like the Oilers had, but it had Chris Pronger, who I think, uh, in the playoffs should have won the con Smythe. And as he was playing at that time was probably the best player on the planet for those last two or three months of the season. Goalie doc, I'm going to get you in after the six 30 news. Cause I'm tight to the break here. Kelly Rudy's coming up in the next half hour as well. One, nothing Washington leading Pittsburgh with nine minutes left in the second period, full scoreboard when we get back as well. Thanks for tuning in tonight. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Quick look at the uh, NHL scoreboard. I can tell you it's 2-0. Islanders leading the Sabres early in the second period. Five minutes left in the second. Caps now up 2-0 on the Penguins. Sheary and Verana have the goals there. Four minutes left in the second in Manhattan. Devils and Rangers tied 1-1. Later, Avs and Golden Knights, Wild and Kings, Predators and Stars have been postponed. Oilers and Jets tomorrow on 6.30, Chet. Game starts at 8, face-off show is at 6. Cowtown Bob writes in, he says, despite my grave concerns going into the season, I would say the goaltending for the Oilers so far this season has been on the high side of acceptable. The events of last night were largely a result of poor defending by the skaters. At this point, I see progress by the Oilers' younger players, which should allow them to take a run for at least one or two playoff series. I think Ken Holland needs to be patient and see what goalies come available when the team is in a better cap position. That is from Cowtown Bob, who I always appreciate hearing from. I also always appreciate hearing from this next gentleman on the open line. He is not a frequent caller, but he is generally a very astute one. It is Goalie Doc on the line. Goalie Doc, go ahead, sir. Oh, hi, Reed. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was listening to you guys last night after the game, and uh, people were calling in about 
making these fantastic trades and Rob was always telling them, well, you got to be careful about what you're asked for and what you get back. I think, I think we're going to have to probably accept what we have with, uh, with both uh, Costin and uh, Smith. And I mean, I guess people forgot they just stole a couple games uh, ago for them. So I think Ken Holland has probably done the best he can do for now, and we'll have to wait it out with uh, with those two goalies and hope that together they'll, uh, uh, you know, push each other to play better, like they and get us into the playoffs. And then anything's possible once we get into the playoffs. And uh, around the time of playoffs, then maybe something will come open. But even then, like Rob was saying last night. You know, you have to watch what people are going to ask for. You're not going to want to trade, um, you know, like uh, uh, Ryan away for something uh, you're not going to get back. So that's my thought. I, it's not what people want to hear say. I think it's the same as the last caller, uh, sorry, the last person had said. I kind of agree with that. We're just going to have to wait with what we have. And I think that I think they're still going to do okay. As long as they get us into the playoffs, then we'll go from there, I think. Yeah, it is It is tough to make a move. And look, people who've listened to me a lot over the years know that I'm not a big trade proposal guy because if you're an Oilers fan and you suggest a trade, it's generally in favor of the Oilers. And that goes for the fan of any team. And that's why, you know, especially Rob often comes back and says, well, wait a minute, why would the other team do that? You know, so, and again, like if you're Columbus and you're going to trade Elvis Merzlikens, you're asking for Nuge because you just traded away Dubois. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, Merzlikens... I can't be sure he's a number one goalie. He's only played yeah. 40 games. It's still it's yeah. still a question mark. So that's yeah, why people, you got you got to be careful. There's not a goaltender out there that they could acquire yeah. that I would promise you that would be a good goalie, except Gibson. And like I said, if I'm Anaheim, I'm not trading Gibson. I'm trying to rebuild the team. You need you might as well start with if you already have a goalie. Why not start there? Yeah, yeah, that's what I think, anyways. Okay, I hope you're doing okay, goalie doc. Thanks for phoning. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Reed. Okay, 780-496-0063. We will call a quick timeout. Speaking of goalies, a former one, now a broadcaster. Kelly Rudy's up next. Darnell Nurse, he and the Oilers will take on the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night. Late one, 8 o'clock start. We'll have the face-off show at 6. He joins us every week here on Inside Sports, presented by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. It is the one and only Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Reading yourself? I'm doing very well. Always good to catch up with you. I, I was enjoying you were uh, you were interacting with some fans on Twitter yesterday, and you got a very nice tweet from a well-known Canadian. I will read it here, <laughs> and then I'll let you take over. This tweet says, Hey, Kelly Rudy, as impressive as your NHL career is, it's even more impressive once I realized you did it all in a pair of pads you borrowed off a local peewee kid. And there is indeed a photo of you playing for the Los Angeles Kings in pads that are much sw- smaller than those used by today's <laughs> goaltenders. <laughs> right? And that's Brent Butt, uh, famous of, uh, or from Corner Gas and a bunch of other things. I met him a number of years ago in Winnipeg at an event. And, uh, man, I, th- I laughed out loud and 
there are a lot of reactions from people and uh, social media is pretty good. But I look back and man, I, I wonder like, why did I, I, some years I went shorter and shorter. I don't know why I went that short. I, at one point my pads were pretty normal. They're like 34 inches, 35 inches. And then I, I don't know. I just, I could move around a lot better with really short pads and I, <laughs> I liked it, but uh, it, of course it'd be completely unheard of now, although that's a separate issue, right? The, you know, I know people are pushing for change and I didn't read it yet, but I think Ken Dryden may have uh, had an article come out. Uh, I just heard about it today. So I'm interested in, in looking at that about the size of goalie equipment in today's game. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that obviously is, is, is a big change. And I mean, the photo, to kind of the way you're hunched over makes right. everything look sort of <laughs> out, of, <laughs> out of proportion too. But it was funny that uh, that Brent found that one and des- and decided to to send it to you. Nice, nice pads though. I mean, you had the silver and black. You had the team colors going. <laughs> everything like that. So that's that's good. That's good. So look, speaking of goaltending. Um, you know, I think we knew here at Edmonton it was going to be a question mark for the season. If you look at just the last five games, Koskinen did not have a good game when they lost in Calgary a couple Saturdays ago. Yeah, They played on the road trip. Smith, very good. Koskinen, very good. In Ottawa, Smith gets a shutout against Montreal. And then last night, Smith gets pulled. Koskinen goes the rest of the way. I wouldn't pin yesterday's game entirely on the goaltending. But having said that, the shots were about two to one and and you lose. So, you know, when it appears to be up and down like that, what does that do to the two goalies who are, are having those ups and downs? What does it do to their teammates who maybe aren't sure what they're going to get out of a start? Yeah, well, uh, man, we could go. There's a lot of different areas to go into. So first of all, just speaking from a goalie's perspective, when you realize that you're not at your best and your partner's not at his best, it it puts a lot of pressure on you individually and and you want to come out of it and i i'm like you i it wasn't all on the oilers goalies yesterday like i i watch i did it i had a game myself so i only watch the highlights but there were so many blown coverages that it was it was really uh you know it was just a complete total team effort that uh, they they gave up six goals it, it, it wasn't pretty to watch just what i i viewed but you know so the, you know it when you're in that situation you're you're desperately trying to get yourself out of that position you hope your partner finds his game too so that the team doesn't have those doubts and you know when you're sitting in that dressing room and you know when your teammates are doubting you it, it's so evident and uh, they become really fragile now i'll say this it has been this might be where what about a quarter way through the hardest year I think I've ever had in terms of trying to evaluate what's going on in this league. I thought I even said last Saturday on the air that it seemed to me like it was becoming a bit of a shutdown league for maybe a week or 10 days. I was noticing a trend, at least in the Scotia North division. Now I'm kind of wondering maybe that was just an anomaly because I, it looks to me like it's, it's really uh, like this old Smythe division long, long, long ago, where it was just, you know, every game it seemed like was 6-5. And so I'm still trying to figure this this league out. I still do think, Reed, that this whole thing has to do with the pandemic and the players mentally having a real difficult time playing. And it's a, a year unlike we've ever, ever seen. And hopefully we never see anything quite like this again. But I, I just can't really 
grasp what is taking place from night to night or, or period to period for that matter. It's every, every game is so different. I'm sure you and Rob Brown have talked about it also. Like what is happening here? Well, I mean, you just look at last night. I mean, the Leafs blow off a 5-1 lead right? to, the, to the last place team. And I mean, the Edmonton Winnipeg game, it, I mean, it was, ins- it was entertaining. Don't get me wrong. It was, sure. it was, it was absolutely, uh, you know, a blast to watch, but I'm sure both yeah. coaches were, were losing their minds. And, and, you know, Tippett said, we, we were chasing the game and then caught it and then gave, <laughs> they gave it yeah. right back, which is, which is frustrating, but yeah, you're right. And I, I I'm thinking can, like, can anybody in the North, actually consistently play a shutdown game i mean montreal maybe has the best goaltending tandem maybe hellebuck's the best individual goaltender along with markstrom but but nobody i mean the oilers did it for three games and then the next game is six goals against it doesn't seem anybody's consistently playing kind of shut it down hockey i agree You, you see stretches of it and uh and then you look at montreal and that is a really well built team but now scoring has dried up for them and uh, they talk about all the right things you know going hard to the net and getting traffic and all that and yet last Saturday uh, versus Toronto they did none of it for the first two periods that was their game plan coming into it and they did none of it or little of it for 40 minutes and then all of a sudden they were mad and so now they come out and play really well in the third and they get the the victory but it's just uh, you know I think shutdown hockey will happen on a more regular basis I, I think these coaches will somehow drive it home you know it's it's hard to do in practice because you, you don't have as much practice time and you know video sessions are super important but uh, you're not doing it as a group and so all these different things that make it more difficult to more challenging for the teams but it's uh I kind of to a certain degree I kind of like broadcasting some of this because it's there's so much uncertainty, right? It must have been like what it was uh, as a broadcaster back again, back in the old Smite division, because you went to the rink and you didn't know what was going to happen. You know, you might be surprised and get a 2-1 game, but in all likelihood, a 7-4 is a, a more likely outcome. Yeah, well, th- th- that is true from a, just a viewer's perspective. You, you feel like, well, it might not be over. I mean, certainly last night Yeah. at you know, the Oilers down 4-1, eventually tied 5-5. And even that game where uh, Calgary beat Edmonton 6-4, and yep. I think Calgary got the sixth goal with about nine minutes left. And Rob Brown said after the game that he didn't think that was going to turn out to be the last goal of the game. So, right. you, you know, it's kind of like you don't, you don't shut it off till it's uh, – I mean, Edmonton literally won a game against the at the buzzer earlier in the season. So You know what I find interesting about this too, Reed? The goalies are having to learn how to play in games like this. Uh we we did it all the time so you know you weren't discouraged if the score was five five with 10 minutes to go in the third you you know that was just a regular uh outcome and uh you know there's still plenty of hockey left in those last 10 minutes and maybe a couple different uh lead changes and so i was watching last night and i saw the reaction by hellebuck when they won and i was like hey that's cool like he was thoroughly uh, happy that they won and he didn't care that it's six five it, it's not about a number or a stat or anything it's just hey in this day and age right now this type of hockey we're playing just find a way to win that's all that matters and i remember having that conversation when i uh went to la and we we're just playing wide open hockey and i was uh, in the great western forum by the zamboni and we we're playing boston that night 
And Jerry Cheevers, the legendary Jer Jerry Cheevers, was uh, one of the Bruins broadcasters at the time, and he recognized me, and we're having a chat, and he goes, man, this must be fun, uh, playing 6-5 every single game. He goes, who cares what your numbers look like? All you should care about is getting the W, and he was so right, and it took a lot of pressure off me because I came from the Islanders, and we we're pretty stingy defensively, and I sort of had to learn a new mindset to, you know, who cares what my numbers look like? Just just go out there and try and get a win any way possible, and that's what some of these goalies right now are trying to learn how to do. Yeah, Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. So the, the Flames had that game against Vancouver, and Rob and I were watching the end while we were doing overtime open line. So yeah. Calgary gets a power play with the lead. Yeah, and they give up a shorthanded goal off a faceoff in their own end. And yeah. I, look, I know this is easier said than done, but Rob did play the game, and he brought it up too. It's like, yeah. why don't the Flames just play keep away? For, like, oh, I know. Shoot or do anything to lose the puck in the last minute and a half. And you know what? That's funny. Rob said that because that used to that used to infuriate me when our team tried that. I was like, <laughs> "What are we doing? We have a power play. We have a chance to absolutely bury these guys. Let's make sure we get the the two goal cushion." And but I I, I know it it used to drive me crazy because i'd hear guys saying that like okay let's just make sure we rag the puck around we're okay and 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 uh you know i guess there's credence in that and i'm, I'm not trying to be dismissive towards rob but i always had the mindset that you know if we have a chance to bury him let's do that like i remember so many times reed we'd be in the dressing room and this is when we had a whole bunch of the former oilers on our team and i remember watching those guys a lot when i was in the patrick division and i would be watching an oilers game and it was 5-1 after two periods and they wouldn't shut it down and try and play defensive hockey to win 5-1 or 5-2 they wanted to make it 9-3 by the end of the game. And so I used to have that conversation with our guys in LA, like what is happening here? Why are we allowing that other team to have a little bit of fun here in the third period? Let's go have that old Euler mentality when it's seven, one after two periods and let's make it 12 2 let's, you know, let's, let's make sure we absolutely crush them. And I was never of that uh, mindset. Like Don Cherry's always used to say, don't embarrass the other guys. I, I thoroughly disagree with that if you have a chance to put your foot on their throat and uh absolutely take away any of their so-called life in a hockey game away that's what you do you bury them that's awesome that's that's also a good approach and i, I suppose it worked for calgary in the end because they won in overtime right <laughs> so, that was okay last night uh quickly mcdavid uh is one away from 500 i'm not going to ask you if you think he gets it tomorrow because you should get a he gets a point almost every, he'll, every game. But, he'll probably be get around 507 by tomorrow yeah. night. <laughs> but he could be interesting. He could, if he gets a point tomorrow, he does it in the exact same number of games it took Crosby to get there. That's kind of, that's neat. crazy. Right. And we know of Crosby's greatness. I don't know about you Reed, but, and I haven't watched every Oilers game, but I've sure watched a lot of them this year. And I, it seems to me like McDavid's playing better than ever. I mean, some of his one-on-one -on -one rushes are one on uh, three rushes, uh, you know, where he, he's against three defenders. And the things he's doing this year, it's just phenomenal. I, it's, it is worth, if hopefully we can one day pay money to go see a game again, it is worth paying money just to see that one individual. That's how incredible he is right now. Yeah, absolutely. 
Kelly, thanks for checking in tonight. It's always a blast. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. I know you're busy, and we'll uh, we'll got two battles of Alberta coming up, which is going to be great. And we'll talk again next week. You got it. Thanks, Reed. Take care, bud. That is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight. He joins us every week, courtesy of Sentinel Stores. Now, Connor McDavid left practice early today. Not an issue. He and Darnell Nurse and Ryan Nugent Hopkins left practice a bit early at the behest of head coach Dave Tippett. Tippett saying simply, you know, guys who play a lot of minutes got to leave practice a little bit earlier. Leon Dreisaitl and Tyson Berry, who played a ton last night as well, were not even on the ice. William Laguson didn't practice. He suffered an upper body injury last night, and Dave Tippett said he was getting some tests this afternoon, so they should know more about him here in the near future if they don't already know it. Evan Bouchard had to play a ton last night over 20 minutes with the injury to Lagason had eight shots on goal here's Tippett commenting on Bouchard no he is he's you know we've we finally got him in where he's playing every game and he's he's playing and not thinking about what he's doing he's a he's a highly talented instinctual player when he's just playing not thinking too much as his uh, skills take over uh, that being said, like last night, he's got eight shots on goal, but there's there's some issue, there, you know there's some stuff he's still got to continue to improve in the defending part of it, positional part of it, just uh, tying up men in front of the net. There's some things like that that he'll continue to improve at. But he's a young player that, as he continues to gain confidence, it looks like he's becoming a better and better, better and better player every game. Yeah, I think some things to iron out in his own end for sure, but I, I can't remember the Oilers had a, a defenseman who, is, who had played that few games who was that willing to just fire away. That's encouraging to see. All right, we're coming up to the 7 o'clock news. Jack Michaels will complain and moan when we get back. We'll also check in with Sean Fitzgerald. Always enjoy chatting with him from the Athletic Canada. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Hope you're having a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.